forever. Dog. Rose and Jamie are two best friends, and they love Sex and the City. And they couldn't help but wonder, do you love it too? Carrie, Miranda, Samantha, Charlotte, Cosmos, Frenchies, so many every single day. Jamie Lee and Rose Cerno. I'm Jamie Lee and I'm Rose Cerno. And this is Couldn't, Couldn't Help, Help But, but wonder. wonder, a podcast where we talk about sex in the city and how it relates to, to us. us. We have an amazingly well, special guest today. Um, we've been talking about this incredible woman for quite a long time. This is we finished recapping every single episode. We've had guests here and there, but nobody who can even come close uh-uh. to this icon who has who has written on every single season of Sex and the City. She wrote The Greatest Showman. She wrote on The Big C, Divorce. She's an absolute goddess. She was one of my mentors at the Sundance Labs. She couldn't be any better. Let's welcome Jenny Bix. Jenny Bix. Woo! We got her. Woo-hoo! We got the Bix. Couldn't be any better. I love uh, that. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to just take that little recording and carry it with me in my pocket when I have my moments of complete complete frailty as we all do. I will pull that out and listen to it and I will feel uh, better. And Skylar will get you that. We will yeah. we will get oh, you that Skylar audio. Will. I'll send we that will, raw we'll audio. Send that on yeah. over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have to say, like, it goes without saying uh, we have a Sex and City podcast. We love this show. Um, We are completely obsessed with it. We're both writers, of course. And we have been, you know, the fact that 20 years later, people are still obsessed with the show, talking about it, that Instagram, every outfit of every outfit on Sex and City is like millions of people. You were part of something, a big part of something that is still the gold standard of television rom-coms, in my opinion. Right. And who knew? We didn't. We did not know. Really? We did not know. No. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is a great thing because we just kind of were doing it. And we didn't know. We we shot the first two seasons before we even aired. Wow. What? What? I think we started airing maybe in the, maybe in the, beginning of second season or mid. So we had like an entire, like really like two seasons of just enjoying what we were doing and wow. thinking like, oh, no one's going to watch this, but this is hilarious that we're, we're getting to write this. And then suddenly look what happened. Jenny, obviously it's a job you had to work, but it's such a fun show to watch. Was it a fun show to write on? Right. It was a, su- a super fun show to write on. I mean, I think I, I I wish for every writer that they have a chance to work on a show like this, where you have an opportunity to like work with great writers uh, who you really enjoy spending time with because you were mm. we were spending a lot of time together, and you get to write about shit that you care about. I mean, at the time, all of us were. I mean, it, we can go through each season, but but uh, through the whole thing, there were really only um, at the most six women and and one guy, and all of us were single. Wow! When you started, you mean when on we season started. one, and because uh, you kind of cannot have a decent relationship while you're doing this show, which we can talk about. Oh, that's really interesting, Jenny. Yeah, it's like you can't analyze every day in the room 
what you just went through the night before <laughs> and, and have a decent relationship. And thankfully, I think we've all come to the other side and have lovely relationships, but it was not a great time to be trying to date. That is for sure. Okay, I have, I have a follow-up question there. Do you feel like because you knew that you were trying to write a show about people going through the dating experience, was there part of you that was kind of like, almost like glorifying your own dating life a little bit like, ooh, like art imitating life, like right, right, what, right, glorifying or just um, having fun with I don't know. I mean, I don't know if we were glorifying it. I think we were literally um, taking every the great news is you have like a shitty date. And normally you would just have a shitty date, go home and like be bummed out and call your friends or whatever. Um, and this, you have a shitty date, you come in the next day and you get to like talk about it in the room and then write about it. So it was very like cleansing. That's the best thing and, about being a writer and a comedian. You know, Jamie's a stand-up. Yeah. It's like anything bad that happens to you, you can spin it into something. Sure. And it just, I think it's the saving, like it kept, keeps you from losing your mind because you actually get to, and then we got to put it on the air and then have people say back to us, oh, you're not a freak. Because a lot of times, some of the shit we were writing about, when we would talk about it in the room, we'd be like, am I the only person that's ever like, you know, what's with guys doing this? And like, right. and it turns out, apparently, America agreed. So it, it, it was a very edifying thing. Like, I don't think we, I don't think we glorified is in some cases, there were some boyfriends that I wanted to like, I got to subtly stab in the back. Um, <laughs> oh, love that. Can you give us any great. like details like which um, episodes I, uh, there was there was an episode yes. i wrote sure there's an episode i wrote early on called the freak show oh, i love, I love the freak show. Oh, and it was a it was a weird show. it was a weird episode but it was also like uh, at the time i had been dating a guy who he was one of these guys like great on paper um nice enough to me but he was an asshole to service people, Ew. which, by the way, never, ever. That is the truest sign of somebody you should not be with. Is the person like yells at the cabbie or yells at the waiter? Mm. Like, give, stop. The worst. Yeah, the worst. The worst. It's the worst so I got to, planet. so I got to kind of take him down, and um, nice. and I don't even know if it was that episode or another one where somebody was dating the asshole. It's like, oh, that's the asshole. And that was a guy <laughs> that, and I got I to throw it. I got to throw a drink in his face on the show, which made oh, me happy nice. because I never got to do that in real life. So it's very like, you know, did you ever feel yourself? Like when I was writing for magazines about like sex and dating, I felt like I almost took more chances. Cause I was like, oh, if nothing else, this would be a good story. So I'd almost like look for dating scenarios that were kind of fun and juicy like, did you do that in your life? Right. There were definitely times. Well, it's interesting. I mean, sometimes we would do things for the story re kinda. research. I mean, like I remember and this tells you, by the way, this dates me in such an amazing way. Like when I wrote um, Sex in Another City, which was the episode where they go to L.A. And that was yeah. uh, season Three or four? Oh my god! Four? I don't know. Four? Think, end of end I of think four? It's three? End of three. three. End of three. Um, and it was about her getting a Brazilian yes, wax, three. and oh, that was yeah. like a whole like nobody knew what that was. Like I had no what? idea until that episode. What? I had never heard of it. Yeah, and there were these women in New York. They're still there, I'm sure, called the J Sisters, and they're on 57th Street, and that's where you would go to get wow. the Brazilian wax. And of course, I had to go. And as the person writing the episode and get a Brazilian. And it was so bizarre because it really was, I mean, it was good. I did. Cause I really wrote true to the experience of it, but it, I was like, 
oh, this is kind of great. And, and of course, I had a date like that night. And of course, I told him because, you know, <laughs> spicy, yeah. Jenny, spicy, you got to give it up a little bit. <laughs> and um, dudes hate pubes. So great. <laughs> yeah, LA dudes, at least. <laughs> yeah. So there was a lot of it was funny, too, because we would constantly get like sex toys sent to us yes um because they wanted us to feature them on the show right and i remember there was a time like or maybe it was like season two beginning of season two hbo would come in and give the legal like sexual harassment talk and literally (laughs) all across the entire conference room table were like dildos and (laughs) rabbits and it's like I was like, I think we're, we've passed we're the point. That. Yeah. We can't have that conversation. I think we're, uh, yeah, you should just fire us all, basically, because we were harassing each other constantly. Was the one guy in the show straight or gay, Jenny? Gay. Michael Patrick. Michael Patrick. Oh, King. nice. Um, and we did start, so season one, um, so Darren Starr wrote the pilot and then brought in Michael Patrick King. So the two of them uh, did the pilot and the first couple episodes and then michael called me and said hey you know there's this show we're writing i don't know it just seems like you'd be good for it and i was like yeah that sounds awesome i'll go do that and so i wrote episode nine of the first season and then i started on the show so there's the three of us for the whole really for the first season and a half like wow through second season and then how did you and michael patrick king know each other jenny we knew each other because he, I worked on a sitcom called The Five Mrs. Buchanans. It was a fine sitcom on CBS. And it was about five ladies who are all married into the family of the Buchanans. Hmm. And he would come in on Fridays to do punch up. And he was super scary because he would like walk in with a script and it was all like torn up. And, and he would <laughs> yell at people and be like, no, that's an awful joke. And he was always <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> So we met, we met in the room of uh, that fine sitcom. Cool. Uh, Yes. Yes. And then thankfully he called me and thought I would be good for this. And um, that's how my life changed. Honestly. Was this a breakthrough of your life? Like a before working on Sex and City and after? Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't know it. I mean, you never know at the time, right? I think very rarely do you think, oh, this is my moment where everything changes. Absolutely. Uh, I actually thought that was going to be on the show prior because I had been hired to work on Seinfeld. And I was like, and at the time that was like, I mean, that's the pinnacle and that's probably for another podcast, but that was not the pinnacle. Um, Yeah. Uh, we'll talk about that some other time. But oh, are you say, telling me that that was not a good show for women to be on, and that it wasn't surprise? <laughs> Shocking! That was not a welcoming you mean Larry place for David doesn't respect women? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? It wasn't even Larry David's fault. But oh, we'll, interesting. We'll leave some. Yeah, that's mystery. I mean, I worked for Seinfeld very briefly, and. I'm not saying anything, but I'm saying something. <laughs> yeah. there. I think we're all saying it without saying it. It's like bangs. Yeah. You don't have yeah. to say it. What you don't a bang, have to say it. What a bang just... says is I'm groovy. Yeah. I'm groovy. <laughs> Jenny, we have all these awesome questions for you. But as you're talking, I'm sure Jamie's feeling the same way. Just things keep popping up in my head. Like when you started time with the sex toys, I was thinking... I learned about vibrators from the show and it might sound stupid or superficial, but my first vibrator was the rabbit, which was really an important journey for my sexuality. And like, you know, it might sound trite or some sexist assholes might think that's not a big deal, but like, I think he really helped women get in touch with themselves. And I just wonder if there's anything particular, any episode or any piece of the show that made you feel really proud of the, the impact that you had? Because I think you guys had a huge impact on women big time. I think we did. I, I mean, again, I, I don't know if we 
we, we knew we were having an impact on ourselves, so it felt good to write it. Um, but that's so funny that it's like the huge impact of, of the rabbit, which, again, I do feel there's certain products that we should have gotten pieces of. The rabbit, one of them, not oh, a little yeah, piece. Oh, yeah, you guys really But I think we should have. Um, yeah. But it's funny because I think for me, the thing that I feel resonated the most, I didn't know it would, but it resonated for me when I wrote it, was um, A Woman's Right to Shoes, which is when, when Carrie loses her shoes at the party and then has to, um, and she gets judged, she gets judged for the fact that as a single woman, she's spending so much money on shoes. And it really was important to me to put that out there because I was like, you know what? As single women, we get fucked. Like you have to spend so much money on everything. You're going to people's weddings. You're buying gifts for people. You're doing this and no one's celebrating. Like who's celebrating the single woman? And then who's not in the the judgment you get for the choices you make. You want to go on an expensive vacation, go on a fucking expensive vacation. Like that's your money. But there's a lot of judgment. It was a lot of judgment about single women. So that was one that I was really proud about because it seemed to people really single women seem to really relate to that also just off of that just recently someone fed back to me how much they love that episode just completely unsolicited they were like quoting the premise of that episode and my my single friend said yeah so yeah it yeah we even have listeners who bring up like specifically what you're talking about pretty often like in in the comments on our posts where they're just like it's so true how uncelebrated and unsung single women are and it's just it's cool to hear that specific one i mean there's so much judgment so much still you know but that's what i wanted to get to it was an amazing episode i just planned my sisters i planned two virtual baby showers for my sister one of them for her and her friends and one of them for her and the family and i like made a beautiful timeline of photos of her ever since she was a little kid and it was like this we all went around and said things we loved about her it was like this beautiful moment and i was thinking god it really sucks if you don't do these landmark things like have kids or whatever because you it's like people don't just plan these beautiful celebrations for you. And I was thinking like they really should do that for people, men and women. It's like just being alive is like a celebration. Yeah. Well, especially now. But Rose, you deserve a slideshow. Thank we you. We should all have slideshows. Yeah. Like, wherever it's just like, Jenny, this is how you affected my life. These are like these fun memories right. we have. It's like, I guess you can do stuff like that on like big birthdays or something. But it kind of feels inappropriate to say to people, hey, will you plan this huge thing to make me feel really special? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah, you're will like you? shamed for liking birthdays like past the age of like 21. Right. I feel like, and so. wanting to get gifts, even though right. when you get married, you register for crazy shit. I'm going to register my next need. birthday. I'm just going to register. <laughs> do it. I'll, I'll, th- I'll go on your on your whatever non non wedding Zola. I'll do it. That's what Carrie did at the end. She registered for the shoes. I I love the Manola that. Blahnik shoes that, that again, was an amazing I did, episode. I did not get a piece of Manola Blahnik and I feel that's see, that's a, that's another one. I feel like you guys should have gotten out. free shoes constantly. Didn't, you know, they're not as much as you think, but I did buy a lot. I mean, I did get discounts and I did own a lot of high shoes, which I bet if I put on right now, I literally fall on my face just by trying to put them on. Hi everybody. Tim Heidecker here with huge news. We have, a terrific episode of Office Hours Live prepared for you. We had the great stand-up comedian Kyle Kinane come in and a very special in-studio music session from legendary Emdu Mokhtar. You're not going to want to miss this one. You can find it on your podcast app of choice by going to Sears or Macy's and getting an iPod and then coming home, charging it up. 
and listening through your app. Okay, wait, I have a quick fashion question. Now we've entered Definitely. fashion corner. Did okay. you, did the style, so it was Patricia Fields, and I'm assuming she had like a team. Mm-hmm. Um, so did they ever just like give you guys like a bunch of stuff? They're like, we don't need this. Like, did they ever help the writers? <laughs> the they, of that, of, like <laughs> handing out, here, please. Like literally like, t- we have so many things here in our closet. Uh, Take that. We did have at the, it's funny, at the end of each season, they would do a, um, you know, like a they'd sell off whatever they didn't yeah. want anymore. But we would do it at the same time as the Sopranos because they were shooting. Our offices were like next to each other. And so like you'd have you'd buy like Polly Walnut's tracksuit and then you'd have like <laughs> I have Samantha's red um, Hervé Leger, like yes! bandit, band, red bandage dress. Yeah. Which, which, you know, but so they weren't handing out. And plus, by the way, even if they handed this shit out at the time, it's hilarious because in retrospect, you look back and you're like, oh, my God, she's I mean, she's so brilliant. And she dressed our ladies amazingly. But some of the shit at the time, it was like, oh, I'm sorry. Carrie's wearing like a dirndl. Oh, yeah. At, uh, <laughs> in Central Park for a picnic. What the fuck? <laughs> the flower, the big flowers that, oh, that showed yeah. up in season two. I was like, Michael, I don't that's weird. I don't get it. And then cut to, you know, Dior, everyone's making these huge flowers. And I, I was always behind the times and she always knew. Well, um, Carrie was pretty, yeah. Patricia was pretty ahead of the times. I mean, hard she to was, be. So she would set the, I mean, she would make shit up and it would be amazing. And, and also SJ could wear anything. So you could put her in Argyle socks. Her body like, is ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. They she all, was wearing I mean, a tissue paper and it was just like, girl, amazing. <laughs> yeah. I love it. I need tissue. Seriously. Yeah, everyone needs some tissue. Um, wait, I have a quick question. Um, to sort of in in tune with what we're talking about, was there like a specific moment for you personally when you were like, "Oh shit, I work on something big," like, or was it more gradual, or was there like a moment where you're like, "Oh fuck," oh, I love that. like I am on yeah. to something? It was. Here. It was weird. We've talked about this before as a group. Our uh, we're all very close still, all the writers. And oh, that's amazing. Yeah, it's 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 it is. And that's, I think, that's the experience, part of the experience for me, too, is the fact that we all still are each other. We're family. That's amazing. So, wow. Yeah, I love hearing that. Love hearing we've that. been really lucky. But that's so cool. there was this mm-hmm. time at the end of season two, airing-wise, not when we wrote and shot it, but where, like, I was out to dinner, and, at the ta- and it was New York, so you're in a tiny restaurant, and the table next to me, two girls were talking, and one of them started talking about how the guy she was dating was a total Mr. Big. And I was like... Oh, oh my God, people are referring to people as if they're real from our show. And it was kind of, and then, and that became this kind of whirlwind in New York at the time of like, all the doors open for us. Like, you're Sex in the City, come to our this, come to our that. Like, you realized, but the fact that I heard women talking about the show and their own lives, it was amazing. It was so cool. I I have never had that since. I in have the same chills. Way. That's my favorite story. Jenny, was a room in L.A. or New York? It was in New York. It was and in New York. Were you kind of living a little bit like Carrie? Like, were you guys like, were all the writers going to like restaurant openings and glamorous? Like, were you guys like living it kind of? We kind of were, although we were all so not glamorous. Like, it's hilariously, you know, it's don't pull the curtain back. Um, but <laughs> we we were certainly for a time treated as kind of minor celebrities because we were bringing this 
uh, fairy tale to New York. And we wanted, what's nice too for me is because I grew up, I'm a New Yorker. And so for me, the idea of making New York that fifth character and, and really kind of making it shine, I was also super proud of that, that feeling of being on any street corner and you can make it magical. Um, and it, I mean, New York's changed so much since I grew up and then since we did the show until now. But I think that's such a cool thing about the show and about what we were able to do. Um, yeah, but there was definitely a time of like, come to this restaurant, we can get reservations. And I'll never get the reservations I could get then. I mean, oh I cannot, you know, it was, it was great. It was super fun. I was lucky. Um, we're th- talking about the characters. Like, was there a character that you liked writing for the most or identified with the most? Right. I'm sure some of these questions are like, girl, I've heard it, but like, no, I am no, curious. no, it's, it's funny because the truth of it is I, I was always kind of Miranda. I'm Miranda. We love I mean, I'm, Miranda. This is all team Miranda here. Oh, it yeah. is, but I got to tell you, she really got shit on for a long time like I she did some, oh my god i remember some cosmopolitan poll where it was like who who would you want to hang out with and it was like she had like 10 percent out of the four of them. Oh wow nobody like she's the coolest that. she's the weirdo yeah i think the world has caught up i think the world has caught up i yeah. think yes. so now everyone loves miranda and they're like who the fuck carrie yeah <laughs> right i mean i think we all we would we we would in the room talk about kind of who we were and i think our rule was everyone was carrie because she was kind of this omniscient narrator Every so woman. we all had that and then depending i mean i definitely have some charlotte in me she is has that kind of our side thing that that i had and you know once once I had the Brazilian i was Samantha so <laughs> sure sure i mean you i know. think what you guys did so brilliantly is like you know even though Charlotte and Samantha, I feel like they're the most like broad characters out of the four of them. They're still really complex. And like, like, even though Charlotte's a total prude, she's also a really good friend and a really loving person. And Samantha's has all these amazing qualities, too. They're really loyal. Like, it's what I really liked about them is that they... They had these big comedic qualities, but they also had a million other qualities, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Well, good. I'm glad. I mean, I think that was something we really stro- strove, strove yeah. for. Striven. Striven? <laughs> I strived. Used to, I don't know. Anyway, we tried to do that where, you know, I think uh, when we started the show, the characters were more broad and were more one-dimensional. Yeah. And the beauty of having time to develop them, we could yeah. do this where you had, yeah, Charlotte is uptight and a little preppy. But she also ends up, you know, with a Jewish guy making choices she wouldn't have made in season one or two. Oh, so satisfying. Being, being a good friend, speaking up for herself, stuff that, that we wanted for each of the characters to give them a roadblock that would test their biggest kind of frailty. Um, did, did you know when you guys were sitting in that room, season one and two, where you wanted the girls to end up? Or was it a learning as you go discovering? That's such a good question. That's the best question ever. Um, I love that question. We, no, I mean, I think we knew season to season. So we always started the season. We would start the season with like two to three weeks of just sitting in a room in LA because we were all living in LA uh, and just blue skying what we wanted for the season. So we would know where we wanted it to end. We would know kind of what the big obstacles or challenges of the season would be. Um, First for Carrie, but then for the other characters as well. So 
we would know that we didn't know because also when we started we didn't know how many seasons we would have we did really didn't know anything so what we did know was okay we have 12 episodes or 18 episodes this season to tell this story um and tell the arc the right way so that's how we would we would do it and we had a board of kind of idea every year we would keep this board going for six years but we had a board of kind of ideas that didn't fit anywhere yet that we would just write up so we had it. I mean, a lot of writers' rooms. I do this in all my writers' rooms, but um, and slowly you peel off those stories and put them in as they work. But the other things that would happen is we would introduce a character, and sometimes, like in the in the case of David Eigenberg, like uh, who played Steve, love Steve. Who doesn't love Steve? I'm a hu- huge Steve's he- Steve heads over here. Big Steve. Okay, heads. good because my Sexy. current. Husband, I, love, I just said my current husband, like I've had a husband. <laughs> and you're, and there will husband. be more. Yeah, <laughs> I know. The, the current Mrs. Bix, Mr. Bix, um, he very much fed into Steve. Um, a lot of mm. what we wrote for him was kind of what, what Adam was doing um, as we started. To was Steve based Adam. on Adam? A little bit. I mean, Adam's not a bartender, but he certainly... Uh, down he to did earth. things for Miranda mm. that 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 were the same things that he was doing for me. Wow. That's so wonderful. Kind of slowing him down and all this stuff. But um, that wasn't your question. Your question was, oh, in terms of Steve, um, David Eigenberg, he wasn't necessarily supposed to play for that long. Um, but it was such amazing chemistry between the two mm-hmm. of them. He did such a great job that he became they had her amazing whole story. Chemistry. But he could have easily been there for four episodes and been done. So sometimes that would happen where someone comes in and we're like, oh, yeah, that's that's no, amazing. No how, how lucky for us. Yeah. Their relationship is like my favorite. I'm like obsessed with their relationship. Well, it's kind of a um, wish fulfillment, like of finding somebody who loves you for all of the fucked up parts of you, which you really did. And then allows you to kind of relax. Like there isn't any sense from him that she isn't loved. That's so and true. And I think a lot of these women uh, on the show, our women were at times going for guys that weren't going to be there for them. Very conditional. Yeah. 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 Very conditional, which is incredibly attractive, by the way. I mean, that's the Mr. Big of it. It's like, oh, is. I have to keep up appearances and yeah. I can never gain five pounds. And I hope he still thinks I'm young enough. And yeah. which is like, and, oh, he hasn't ha- called me in LA. Right. So I think. Uh, there's an attraction to it's a chemical it's exciting. thing. It's exciting. You want to get it. You want to catch it. But the problem is you can never catch it. And then you're fucked. With um with Mr. Big, was that like the way it ended with the two of them? Like, how did you guys feel about their relationship? And like, did you think it was a positive thing that they ended up together? Or like, yeah, what was your feeling on Big? Because I think that he has good question. We've talked about he just has so many facets and he rubs different people different ways like some people think it's so hot and romantic and other people are like that guy is fucking toxic get rid of him so yeah i'm curious how you guys felt about him you know it's funny because depending on what year you started writing on the show you were either a mr big person or you weren't like because i started early i've always i was always a mr big fan like i always Mm. thought but that being said in retrospect he was totally toxic right and not somebody that if if it was your girlfriend dating him, you'd be like, girl, it's not move it, move along. But there was such a chemistry, there such was a connection between the two of them that was undeniable. Um, but it's funny, Julie and Elisa, who came on to write in season four, 
were like so anti Mr. Big. And it's funny when these people walk into the room and are like, no, Aiden, she has to be with Aiden. It's like, well, but she doesn't love Aiden. The, she, the chemistry she wasn't thing. there. She has that thing with Big. So it's it's always um, it's always funny. So, yeah, I think I was more pro Big because it seemed to be what she wanted. That makes sense. But, but now and when you say the chemistry, when you say the chemistry, you mean the chemistry between the actors as well? Like, did because we've talked about how like her like Rose is really like good at pointing this out that like the Aiden and carry chemistry like it's fun to watch but like they don't seem like as sexually like just locked into each other the way that um chris and big are on yeah yeah so we're just curious like was it was it the characters that are sorry was it the actors that kind of informed those decisions also yeah for sure i mean there was definitely a fizziness like there's just this you know zhuzh is something we would talk about a lot uh on in the room but it's like they would get together and you would feel it, right? And whether that's the actors playing that or the actors, you know, just being good at what they do or just the two of them being who they are, either way, it was like, oh, you wanted to spend time with that. Like, that's that's magic. And the Aiden thing was fun, but didn't feel as magical. Were there any challenges of writing a show based on a woman who's alive and it's based on her like did she nose in or did she give you guys full control did you were were, were there scripts where it's like oh we need to make sure candace likes this or were you guys really okay. like out to to do what you wanted yeah i mean she because because carrie's not candace and or at least from candace's point of view carrie's a created fictional character as are all of them, even though they are all in, loosely in some ways based on different people that she knew. So she was very open to us doing whatever we wanted to do. She would come in in the early days. She would come in for a couple of days at the beginning of each season just to talk to us. But uh, it, she was very um, hands off, uh, very hands off in a great way in it's terms awesome. of what, where we could take the characters and what we could do. I think that was important. Sounds like it. Sounds like you didn't yeah. have somebody hovering over you being micromanaging or anything. Mm, no, 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 not at all. She was incredibly supportive. And, and we thank her for that. Who was the hottest guy who had a little cameo where all the writers are at least you were just like, oh, my God, he's on set. He's even hotter in person. Who was like the oh major panty dropper who came to set that oh all the writers God. made sure to be there? That is or so a permanent sad. character, by the way. I'll throw that right. in there. I mean, it's harder with the permanent ones, right? Because then we would get to know them. When you're objectifying someone, you know, I have to say there was, and this changed as we spent more, well, I would say Barishnikov, like all of us had this kind of feeling about him. So meeting him was kind of like, and he was this larger than life, even though he wasn't like a typical hottie. Right. um, Because we had a ton of hotties. Uh, Oh my God. That is a it's fun a curveball answer, well, by the way. You guys, I was not expecting that. Uh, I know. You guys had Matthew McConaughey. You had um, right. Bon Jovi. You had so I many remember cutes. when, and Bon Jovi was my episode, and I was kind of starstruck. Was he him. gorgeous? He was pretty gorgeous. He looks so hot on camera. He was good. You know, he really delivers. Yeah. He, he, was, he was adorable. It must have been fun to be in the writer's Jim room Gaffigan. and be like, what are the hottest guys right now? <laughs> Did you say Jim Gaffigan? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Is he on the show? I don't remember that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he yeah. took a shit with Miranda. He was yeah. the open door oh, yeah. poop, the open door pooper. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I would not say Jim Gaffigan. He's a delight. I would not say <laughs> he's a fair he was the one that was, you know, yeah. really drew my attention. I mean, the, oddly, we had so many, at a certain point, we had so many shirtless guys. Like, it was really 
um, there could be lawsuits. I mean, there was <laughs> there was ogling and and when we go to casting and you'd have these guys who'd have to fake orgasms like right in front of you, it was it felt wow. very uncomfortable. A great job, Jenny. We would we would Thank all you. be so lucky. I took I took one for the team. So you were really was you were in the you were there like when I didn't know how involved everybody was in the casting process, but you were sitting there watching these auditions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow, um, which is amazing. I, I mean, you just think back and like to see the people who came through there, but also like literally what these poor men had to do sitting like, you know, 10 feet from us. God bless. God bless them all. That's amazing. We need a bigger orgasm. We need a smaller yeah, orgasm. We're gonna, yeah. yeah, right, right, yeah. right. Um, it, yeah. Oh, sorry. I was just going to ask about um, Barishnikov because we've recently talked about how he's just kind of like, an, in, like he, I did not know he even acted. Like, how did that whole thing even come about? And like, the chemistry with Carrie, like, wh- I'm just, he's just a character where I'm like, he's just feels so mysterious. And the goal for him also in a very good way feels mysterious. And their relationship is kind of mysterious. Like, I would just love to hear about him. Yeah. A little you bit. You know, it's, it's interesting. When we developed the character before we knew who it was going to be, our idea was we wanted someone who is bigger than big. That's what we mm-hmm. would say. He needs to be bigger than big. And but we knew that that wasn't going to mean someone who was richer or more like it would have been harder to find someone bigger than big in the typical way you think of it. And so we had to find someone who had like a quality that made him more mysterious. Um, Perhaps he was older. Perhaps he would be very artistic, something that that wasn't true of big. And it was SJ, actually, it was Sarah Jessica who said, hey, what about, because she had been a dancer growing up. So oh. she had had this huge crush on Brishtikov. Wow. And, cool. And we sat down with him and it kind of made made sense. Um, but he hadn't done a lot of acting. Um, I he think was great. Been, we thought he was awesome. He was good. Yeah. I mean, he he definitely played it in a way that he that was unique in, in terms of like, you'd never think that this was a guy in season one she would have been with. Like he was very specific to kind of where she was at in her life, like exotic and international and just different, which I think really helped. But that's how he came about. Was there ever a notion of getting the two of them in an episode together? Because they never actually really get to confront each other over Carrie. Yeah, we we didn't want to because we wanted to keep her life really separate from Big okay. during that time. Totally. Uh, and allow him to have really the first interaction be when he goes back and has to talk to the girls, mm-hmm. the women. I love uh, that scene. Yeah, that's a special scene. That's a really special scene. And it was emotional, too, because it was very much towards the end of our shooting. <sighs> and so for us, it was like also wow. that feeling of like, we're not going to get much more mm. moments like this of, mm. and certainly not that moment where Miranda actually kind of gives it up for him. And she was not a big, big fan, which That's I love she and I her. Did. Yeah. Yeah. She was not having it. Not going to have it. I was just going to say that I'm obsessed with Magda and I'm curious how, <laughs> like, I just think that is like, I mean, we've talked about this, like the most tent, I know, you know, the moment I'm talking about, but at the end when she's like, that is love, like that literally breaks me. Um, so I was just curious, like how Magda became this like mother figure to Miranda, <laughs> like just such right. an interesting and again, thing. It didn't, it didn't start as that. Yeah. Um, it started as, um, sadly very 1% kind of issues, but we would, sure. we would joke about how 
housekeepers what they would find in your house and like how much they know you more than other people because of how often they're around you and your shit. And um, Cindy, uh, she packet actually told the story about how I think her, her housekeeper had found a vibrator and had placed a Virgin Mary on her bedside table. So funny. And that became the jumping off point for just a story of like the judgment you might feel from someone who knows you well. Right. And, uh, it, Michael, uh, uh, brought in the actress who's amazing and has, and has passed away sadly. Um, and there was such kind of magic to their relationship also because it, Miranda didn't have a mom after a certain point. And this was kind of the weird mother figure you don't expect. Speaking of which, Jenny, we always thought it was so interesting that we don't know anything really about any of their families. It's and they're such interesting characters. And, you know, I think a lot of fans like to imagine how they grew up. Did you guys first of all, was it a conscious choice to be like, not go there? And even though it was never presented, did you gals in the writer's room have sort of conversations about how you thought they were sort of raised and how that affected their dating and sex lives? Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good question. We definitely made a conscious decision because our, our idea, and this is really still true. It's like when you go to New York at a certain age, you're creating your own family. Like you're go, you're making a choice to go to New York, which in itself means you're a very specific kind of person. And we wanted the family to be those four women. Yes. Mm-hmm. That so makes sense. And we wanted, we, we didn't, uh, I mean, part of it was practical, which is like, we didn't have time to be telling the story about Samantha's older brother or right. whatever. Um, but, but also it, it wasn't that interesting. What we wanted to tell was the stories about them. And so the only times that we did talk about their family was when someone passed away. And so, you know, a little bit about them. And, but we did know in the room, we knew basic backstories of where we thought they had grown up and things like that. But we really chose, we didn't want to share that because they should represent everybody. And as soon as you start to know, yeah, you're going to ask well, me now stuff that, by the way, I might get wrong because it's been a while. But that's okay. I was just curious, like, like, for example, Samantha's character is so interesting and so important. And I think there fully are women like that. And, you know, like she's super career oriented and, you know, eventually she has a relationship, but she's really happy to just be living her life. And I don't think that's a caricature. I think there's totally women like that. But I think there's an idea that some people have of like, oh, she just doesn't want to be vulnerable or she got hurt in the past or I don't know. People make up different histories. And I just am like, I think she was just always really hot and powerful and just, I don't know. Oh, that's interesting. No, I, I mean, I don't think we felt she had had a trauma in her past or anything like that mm. that shut her down. I mean, the trauma that she had, you saw on screen, which is um, breast cancer. Right. Mm-hmm. So that was, we wanted to give her something that would, uh, the one thing she has is her body and her power mm. that way. And so to challenge that, we thought would be that kind of the biggest thing we could do to her. Uh, which was for sure true. Yeah. Um, oh, interesting. Yeah. So no, I, I don't think there was, I think, I think she came to New York wanting to be powerful and she made herself powerful. I love that. In, in her work too, you know, she was very successful. Yes, definitely. Publicist. Yeah. Um, 
How did so the cancer storyline for Samantha? And then you also worked on the Big C, big fan of that show. So like, I'm just curious, like how the cancer part right. came into it. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I had can. I'm the reason. Oh, okay. I, had, I, I didn't had, know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had breast cancer. Oh, so while you were writing on the I, show, yes. What oh, no. the so, fuck? Okay, now what I feel like the. I didn't what? know that's I feel like everyone should know that. Like that's crazy that we Well, you know, I, I think it's something that I, I don't think I was at the time talking about it because I was going through it. Yeah. And I started to talk about it after, but I also wasn't like that wasn't gonna be my badge, but I, I wasn't private about it. I mean, I, I did speak about it, but yeah. yeah, it was it was such an interesting time because I that was season uh four. And I got sick at the beginning of the season. And so I literally was sitting in the writer, like lying on the couch in the writer's room while we were like doing these stories. And actually I didn't, it was Michael who was like, I'm stealing your story for Samantha. And I'm like, Michael, I don't know if you're allowed to like, you have to be a little nicer about asking me, but okay, let's tell that story. Um, and, and what was great. I mean, you talk about like the, impact maybe it had for women. It certainly had an impact for me because most, first of all, most women going through breast cancer, they can't tell, they can't even tell the people they work with because they're scared about insurance and things like that. Like I was working in an environment where it was totally fine. And then I got to like use it for story. So it was kind of great. It was like, oh, this is such a great, uh, totally cathartic. And then we got to have Samantha do shit that I never would have had the balls to do. Like, like ripped off the wig and yeah, stuff. Yeah, ripping off the wig and the wig she chose. The like pink I wig. Was, yeah, I love yeah. the the running thing about the about yeah, the changing yeah. the wigs and that the season. Changing the wigs and yeah. and a lot of those things though, how to like going to pick out the wig and all this shit. It, it's a really weird, there's great stories within it. So to be able to tell them, but tell them in a way where it's it's ultimately a victory. I mean, it was a victory for both of us, but uh it was incredibly meaningful. And really, wow. I think helped. I mean, I don't. I don't. That's really interesting. Yeah, I was very lucky to have that outlet. Unbelievable. Speaking of like your life getting into the show, it kind of seems like you know all these young female writers at the start of the show. Then you're winding down to season six. Was it kind of like naturally like all the writers were starting to settle down and get married and started to be like? I mean, I love the evolution of these like wild party girls who are just growing up and you know like we already mentioned you know miranda doing um, like i I think all the stuff with miranda and steve's mom is just like it's absolutely beautiful scene and so i'm just curious was that also like the writers in the room growing up kind of it might have been i mean i do think by the time the show ended we felt very comfortable ending it like it felt like okay we've all exhaled our stories Mm. and that the stories were going to change, but we weren't the people maybe to tell them anymore. Like we did kind of get to live our lives through for those, because it was even more than six years, it was six seasons, but there was, it takes a long time to do the show. So we, yeah, we grew up, Mm -hmm. we all grew up and had amazing experiences. And, you know, Julie, who never thought she was going to get married and have kids, like Julie Rottenberg, who, in the room would always be the one fighting for like, why do women have to get married? Why do women feel like they have to have fucking kids? It's ridiculous. And that, that would go into the mouth of one of our characters. She ends up getting married and having kids. Mm. Like it, it, it really became everyone evolved and it was, it was lovely. And now, yeah, everybody is, is coupled. 
um, more or less, uh, or dating. And I think probably a lot healthier for having had the outlet to tell the stories. Wow. Lucky us. Yeah. Very lucky. Could I ask, um, I love Splat. That was the penultimate right mm-hmm. before the, the two part finale. So good. And can I ask, where did Lexi come from? I think that's, <laughs> I mean, it's so iconic. I <laughs> know, I right. know. We love Lexi. Lexi's like the old, is like the party girl we all knew uh-huh. who just became tragic overnight, you know? Yeah. That one day she's like at fucking, you know, Xenons. And then the next, it's like she's snorting coke in the bathroom of a party that's super boring and yeah that ca- that casting is unbelievable that woman is so that's funny. like well, the best she possible did casting job. it's yeah. so funny when she dies yeah. it's so fucking funny like oh my god i'm so it's, bored it's, i could so die dark. Is, i'm so bored i could die yeah yeah incredible. we had a great time cindy and i wrote this is the only time that cindy and i wrote together and we had like four days to write the episode mm. because and i'm not even sure why i mean we had the outline but we had like and she was living, we were living within a block of each other on in the West Village. And we would like run back and forth between our apartments. I mean, again, it's so it sounds so fun. It was oh so fun. God, what uh, a life. And we had so much fun writing that episode because it was like to be able to say all of that stuff and uh and have it snow like that, like this mm-hmm. idea of kind of moving on from New York, you know, mm-hmm. and writing that fight between Miranda and Carrie, which was also super scary, like to write, cause they had never really had a strong fight. And that was significant because they were really saying mean things. It kind of feels like was. they're the real best friends out of all of them that like they I might agree. be the closest or something. Yeah. I mean, I think they, I wouldn't disagree with you. I, I mean, I think they were all friends in different ways, but I think the two of them like got each other. They were. And so that was, it was a challenging episode and incredibly exhilarating mm-hmm. um, to write. And it was the last episode we did in New York. So it was kind of like, oh my God, it's, she's going away. She's going away. Yeah, it's excellent. I love, I love, love that episode. Thank you. And yeah, it was, um, it was fun to throw her out that window. Yeah. <laughs> but unfortunately, like one or two people that month in New York after we oh, shot it oh no. actually fell out of windows. Oh, so God. suddenly they were like, did you do that because this person fell out of, I was like, oh, no. no, we no, never no, would no. have done that. Yeah. No, 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 no. I mean, it's, we would occasionally get, when I wrote, I wrote an episode early on about un, uncircumcised guys and I compared them to Sharpays <laughs> and I got a letter from the Sharpay Association yes! and a letter from the uncircumcised men. Uh, association. It's like somebody has too much time on their hands. There you go. Wait, they're, I can't even believe these are two associations. This they, is... they, you'd be surprised when you write shit. How who comes out of the woodwork? It's. But, I feel like it's good if you piss off everybody, though. Everybody possible. Yes. That's I mean, they're so... very small subsets. Yeah. The diagram of like sharpay. dogs and dicks. <laughs> I never got the dogs and dicks. We did write an episode called "All uh, uh, Old Dogs, New Dicks." <laughs> That's true. Uh, did. <laughs> but, but. The, yeah, where they intersect, probably very small. I did, never got a letter from an uncircumcised Sharpay owner, but we would. <laughs> you yeah, haven't made it until you have. Yeah. And you know what? That's also because the internet wasn't really, I mean, that tells you how much has changed. Like there was no such thing as Twitter. There was no such thing as Instagram. It wasn't like at that point, I'm sure we, we would have been on blast all the time. Speaking but, of mm-hmm. which, Jenny. We didn't know. I know that you're working on all kinds of things right now. Were you consciously... You're not involved in the reboot, are you? 
I'm not, I mean, I'm, we're all dear friends. So I, I mean, we talk about it, but no, cause I'm working on a Fox show. Right. Were you, were you bummed about that? Or, or was it like, I did this, it was amazing. I think I'm good type of thing. No, no, not at all. Because I, I feel like I'm kind of, I mean, just by all of us being so close, it's not like, oh, the door is shut on this thing. It's more that we're all just happy for each other, that we're all working on great fun awesome. stuff. So awesome. no, not at all. Okay, cool. Another thing I wanted to bring up was that incredible Emily Nussbaum piece uh, in 2013. And I thought it was really, really important. And something, you know, something that really gets me in general is just like the tradition of minimizing anything about women or anything female created as being like, less important and among all the guilty pleasure the- i feel like is what it's always yeah. called like i have a yeah. guilty pleasure i watch sex in the city and you're like, right what? right and and like how you know if you're sitting in a room with male tv writers or just men in general they talk about like how the sopranos was the start of hbo prestige tv it just like really gets me did you feel that at the time like that you were treated differently than the sopranos or that you guys were in a category of like this is a good show dot 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 for women or where, how, how was that feeling? Oh, it's such a good question because I feel like at the time we were so in it. I'm not sure we were aware of as much of the criticism. I mean, occasionally stuff would peek through that was so frustrating. Like there was a time where, and people still say this, where they're like, oh, that show was written by gay men. Oh, wow. and look, there were two, two gay men were involved, but the idea that women couldn't write women mm. who spoke like that was really frustrating to me. And I think because it was so challenging. I remember that to imagine. Oh, it's just a bunch of gay men writing about gay men, but they had to put them as women. But they made them as women. Sexist. And and it's um it speaks so much to what we're all going through now in terms of like material needs to be written by people who can who have had the experiences and who know what they're talking about. Writing about. And so that was really frustrating. And there was definitely that sense of like a long and people still say this now, but back then of like, oh, any straight guy would be like, oh, yeah, I, I watch it with my girlfriend. Yep. Like she. Like you can just say it's a good show. You can just you don't say you to... watch the show. Yeah. And that's OK. And certainly it was maybe more women watched it because, yeah, it was more relevant to what they were going through. But yeah, the idea of guilty pleasure, it kind of doesn't hold up now when you see kind of how people have enjoyed it. It's nice. It's what nice to see that people are enjoying legendary it for, TV shows. I mean, yeah. the writing well, is amazing. Yeah. I mean, the, and there down. was a time I'm actually looking at it right now. Like there's, there was a time uh, magazine cover of our four girls and, and the headline is who needs a husband. And that was like a huge, wow. like that was a philosophical conversation that we were having in the, in our country about like, it's okay that women not get, I mean, think about, that like now we take that for granted but that that was the cover i also think the fact that your main character in a rom-com is deeply ambivalent about having kids to me is super revolutionary oh and yeah yeah super edgy like even that was like you guys started that in the late 90s and it's the main character being like yeah whatever kids not like i hate them or i love them but just i don't know which to me is so rare for a woman like i feel slightly ambivalent about kids and i feel like it's really rare to see that on screen even today. Well, that's good. Yeah. And we, cause we had a room full of ambivalent women. So that helped <laughs> that we were able to be writing about that stuff. And we wrote about abortions and, and, you know, I think there was stuff that we were able to write that maybe even now would be tougher because there mm-hmm. were more people watching now, like then we were slipping under the radar with stuff. 
and saying stuff. But but I think it is hard when you look back on, at some of the criticism and think like you were just threatened or yeah, that, that you can't understand that women could write this stuff and mm. women talk this way. I mean, that was always the big thing. Like, oh, women don't don't women don't talk like this. Were there any storylines that um, that that were you guys were really like considering that ended up getting thrown out? <laughs> yeah, we get this question occasionally. It's funny. Uh, there aren't that many, but usually what we would do is we would test out a story. Like we would have kind of thematic stories, right? And uh, love the love aspects, the romantic stuff that um, we would just agree, like yes, this is the right direction to take. But when we would have these like one-offs of sexual stuff, mm-hmm. we would have to kind of check around the office and make sure that this wasn't just something that happened to one person. <laughs> um, and so, one thing that we did not include was a penis pump, um, <laughs> which you know is a thing like that guys get implanted in their a penis pump. And, they like, really do. Yeah. I also early two thousands penis pumps were because there's it's also a big thing in Austin Powers right. too. I thought Remember, it was just there's a joke, the whole penis kind pump. of. Yeah, but I think they've fallen out. But there was a moment there where I penis pumps were moment, happening. But it was, but honestly, it was like none of us had encountered it. We had just mm-hmm. read about it via other celebrities who may or may not have had to use them. So it was like, mm, let's not do that one. Um, so there's stuff like that where we were like, yeah, we don't want to just write about something because we think it exists. You know, if we're going to write about like Should be guys real. like fingers up their asses, we have to like. That's true. Check Some that, guys, you know. <laughs> You know, or, you know, that there was enough of a, a, a ground cell, so to speak, of like, yeah, I had that, too. That guy asked me to do that, too. Then we would tell the story. Jamie, um, do you want to you want to do our last question? You want to pick something? Oh, sure. Um, OK. Uh, well, I was curious, since it is sex in the city, um, was was it ever like since that is the conceit of the show, was that ever like a hard thing to have like the actors doing or like was there ever like what were the discussions like about the sex nudity component the sex part of it of the show and everyone's right. comfort level and stuff well also it was so groundbreaking to have like a rom-com for women that was like fun and splashy but then also the sex is like very real and like it's like kind of hot like it was just like again groundbreaking um good thank question. you um, good question. We definitely had, I mean, it's kind of a two-parter, but we definitely, um, I'm not judging your question. I, also, my question was like gonna, 17 different statements. There are a couple more parts so. coming. No, no, no. Yeah. There were statements and questions in there. Okay. Um, we, every actress and actor had to feel comfortable with whatever it was that they wanted to do. So it was never a question that no one was asked to do. And this was before we had intimacy uh, coaches, coaches and yeah. stuff like that. If right? I was Sarah Jessica Parker, I would be naked the entire time. I would be like, do you guys need me to be naked? My body's pretty amazing. <laughs> That's hilarious. Have you seen it? But Have right. you seen these abs? And she's someone who's very open about the fact that she's not, you know, she doesn't do nudity and that's fine. Mm. Um, and then there'd be times with some of our actresses where they'd be like, okay, in this case, I'm fine taking my top off. But we were also really careful with our sex scenes. Michael says this better, Michael Patrick, but it, it no, they didn't exist just for the sex. Like generally it was for comedy. Right. Yeah. You know, so that, that it, you were never feeling like you were watching porn no, because never. there was always something happening within that moment that we were exploring. Uh, if it was big and carry, it was usually actually more romantic. Like it wasn't as, even though graphic they had a lot something. of vision, it wasn't very graphic. Steve and Miranda have very hot sex. I think so. Steve too. and Miranda do have hot Unbelievable. sex. They just you know, you forget chemistry. about that. You forget about that. And they really were, you know, which is why it's good. They, you know, 
everything's going to be okay. Okay, wait, I'm sorry. I have one more question. Considering Darren Starr, or at least Michael Patrick King, you know, was a huge, huge part of this show, I felt like the the main gay character, Stanford, who's kind of nebbishy, not that hot, kind of dorky. <laughs> like, I would think as a gay showrunner or high up you... You want like a hot gay guy? Or like a cool gay guy. He kind of seemed like a dork, right? Yeah, he was based, I mean, he was from the book, so he oh, was a character. I see, um, I see. So, but I, I I, see your point. It's an interesting thing. I wonder now if we were do the show again. I mean, I kind of appreciate that we didn't do the hot gay guy. That's true. Because it's almost like a Ubiquitous. trope. Ubiquitous. Yeah, though, that's right. By the way, oh, there are a lot of hot gay guys, so. Th- that's true. Bless all of you. We should have cast you. Um, no, but you're but, right. It's different to show this. This is the not the norm. It was not, yeah, and we didn't, I mean, if we, and I have no doubt that this is, uh, you know, going to be addressed to some extent in the new version of, in the in the uh, new version of the show, which is that there will be much more color, there'll be uh, more choices. Uh, we were living in a very different time then, and right. the fact that there was not a, um, we had Black characters, but they came and went. We didn't have. Uh, when we talked about sexuality, we were still kind of really talking very like gay, straight. Right. The fact that we wrote a whole, I wrote a whole episode about someone being bi, a guy being bi, and that was really groundbreaking. And it's not, now it's like, you'd have to push the envelope so much further mm-hmm. to find the the part of sexuality that's surprising. Yeah. Um, well, culture moves fast, really, really fucking fast. And definitely between, you know, 2004 when we finished the show and now so much i mean besides the fact that like the shit i get now for the fact that miranda moved to brooklyn and that was a problem and now everybody lives in brooklyn <laughs> i was like you don't understand back then no one lived in brooklyn yeah people didn't have cell phones uh, it that's was, amazing it's true but those are the things that date us i think certainly in terms of our choices of like we would have more gay characters we would have a universe that was more colorful for sure um, I think, I think for the time, yeah, that made, that was sort of what was happening. Well, this has been incredibly uh, enlightening. Well, <laughs> I'm glad that we've all learned something. <laughs> I mean, we're just such huge fans and it's huge just so, fans. you know, it's so nice to get to talk to you. I know our listeners are just like, you know, we're, we're talking about the show oh. 20 years later. We're talking about how, you know, we're also, Jamie and I are both writers and there's some so many brilliant things about the show. It's so funny, but also has so much heart. And the fact that there's a question of the episode that encapsulates the theme, and then you have four contrasting storylines. It's just as any TV writer, it's just like an amazing. It's like a genius oh. study. Well, thank you. I, it was um, it was a fantastic time, and it's so lovely to know there are people like you who still appreciate the show, and it keeps the show moving. And it's super fun for us all to talk about it because we don't get asked about it as much as we did 20 years ago. Mm. So keep asking those questions like we did in the episodes. Yeah, yeah. Well, they're, it's weird because in some ways things are dated and in other ways it's 2021 right. and all of our listeners are, I mean, all of our listen, a lot of our listeners and our Instagram followers are young men and women in their 20s who are like DMing us about what they should do about this guy and this girl and this thing. And it's ever oh my relevant. God. Are, you, are you the experts? I mean, we. I love um, that. What would you say to that? <laughs> Do you charge for it? I think you should. 
I always feel so like not qualified to give advice, but we do. We do assert our opinions. They're younger than us. They're like in their early 20s. So I feel like you can always give advice to younger people. Listen, you can. And when I was writing the show, I mean, that's the other thing is people would come and tell you their sex stories. Like you wanted to hear all their sex stories. It's like, (laughs) I actually really, really don't want to hear your sex story. And they would ask advice. And you're like, listen, that's what I do all day at work. Can we just yeah, talk it's like, about something I write else? about it. I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. That's why I'm writing about it. Don't ask me. Exactly. But I'm really, I so appreciate that you gals are doing this and that um, there are people out there who still appreciate the show because that, that we feel all the love. So thank you. Oh, well, thank you for being on our podcast. We love you and think you're so oh. talented. Thank you. And I have bangs. And, and you, you do great. have. You do have great bangs. I have curtain They're bangs. They're not as cool as your bangs, but I don't have any bangs. Also, this lighting is really intense. It's like Phantom of the Opera on me. Oh, it is, but I like it. It looks it's very. Good. Yeah, maybe I should just start standing in the shadows more. No, don't go there. Don't That's do a, that. No. That's dark. No, That's don't dark. do that to yourself. No, don't put baby in the corner. Um, thank you, gals, for having me. Oh, this has been yeah. an absolute pleasure. Absolute pleasure, Jenny. We love you. Uh, I love you back. Um, well, that was Jenny Bix and that was truly incredible. And wow. Can't believe we were here. We did it. She's so nice. Locked down the Bix. Yeah. She's amazing. And God, I could have, I mean, I don't think I've ever been so just like falling into my computer screen, listening to someone like chomping at the bit. That was amazing. Anyways, uh, we close every show with everybody's favorite segment I'm horny for. Sex in the City is obviously a very horny show, so we end each episode by sharing what we are currently horny for. Rose, what are you horny for right now? Well, um, first of all, you I just have to say you look really pretty today, Jamie. I don't know if you're going to a shoot or something, but you no. look No. Oh, thank you. It's the light in here. I think this is good lighting. Yeah, your thank hair you. and face look beautiful. Oh, thanks, friend. You're welcome. Um, I'm horny for, it's sort of a two-pronged horny for. I've already said it before, but I, I love this podcast called Long Form. Oh, love. They were interviewing this New Yorker staff writer named Dana Goodyear. And on the interview, she had said that she does a podcast called Lost Hills about these shootings in Malibu in 2016 oh. and 2018. And I was like, oh, that sounds interesting. And I don't really listen to much true crime because I'm too scared. But Lost Hills okay, is the most downloading it, downloading creepy, it. Lost weird. Hills. And if you love, which I do, like, you know, I work in Hollywood. I'm from L.A. I have a really big soft spot for, like, pulling back the curtain on the glamorous L.A. lifestyle. And sure. she does such a cool description of, like, what Malibu wants to f- you to think it is and then what it actually is. Dark like the dark underbelly of Malibu and how there was all these shootings, but they don't like to talk about it because they want it to seem safe and expensive, but like people were killed and stuff. So if you just need like a creepy, tingly, creepo podcast, I would, I would check out Lost Hills. Amazing. I just downloaded it. So I'm psyched for that. Jay Malina. What about you? Okay. Um, well, I'm horny for the wedding coach and you should be too. It's bingeable. It's on Netflix. Watch it. It's my show. I stand also, by it. It's really good. Speaking of sex and city, your outfits are in it are great. Jamie's wearing all these different oh. outfits that are really fun and flirty. I almost brought that up when we were talking to Jenny. Cause I was like fully inspired by Carrie and how, and when she was talking about how it's like Carrie would wear weird shit. I'm like, Oh, I a hundred percent did that where I was wearing stuff where I'm like, this is crazy. Really looking. Playful. I love, but it. I was like, but I think when it, when you do, when you wear something that's like kind of like, 
just a little I don't want to say controversial because there's no controversy, but like for <laughs> for you, you're like, this is wild. I would never normally wear this. Um, I do think there's something like fun and bold about totally. it. Totally. Love it. Even if you're like, it's a little weird. Um I love that. So yeah. But um, horny for my show, you should be too. Um, no pressure, but also all the pressure. Watch it, binge the whole thing. Netflix is watching us to see if people watched the whole thing or at least 90% of it. So, you know, even if you want to just put it on and just leave it on mute and just have all the episodes play through, guys, that'd be great. Um, hook, up, hook a sister up. Hook a sister up. And then also I'm horny for, okay, I'll do a food horny for. Oh, I love um, blue ribbon fried chicken in New York City. It's really good. And I ordered it and I don't feel great about it, but it was good. That's it. Okay, well, I love you, and you look beautiful. I love you, and this was so special, and thank you for, like, thanks thank for you. getting her, Jamie. No, thank you. You're She's your mentor. Like, it's amazing that you were, yeah, I'm like, the fact that we had a connection to her is just awesome. You know what was really, really nice that made me super happy is that, like, Obviously, we didn't ask her any questions about like the actresses and the fighting because I don't think she would have really wanted to talk about that. It's kind of cool because it's like maybe the actresses weren't a family, but it certainly sounds like the writers are still to this day a family. And that is cool. It's like the real versions of those characters are all those writers. And so cool. It's really special to know that they all grew up together and love each other. And it's it's amazing. As you know, as we all know, it's like just because you write on a good show doesn't mean people are nice or like each other. And the fact that not only was Sex and City an amazing show, but it was a, the writers were I mean, you're in a room that feels like a family. It's just so special. Well, I will say that was really surprising to me when she said that because it made me think of Ted Lasso. And I have said in interviews that Ted Lasso is like a very close knit room. Like we, when we were in person, we were hanging out after work all the time, every weekend, like truly obsessed with each other. And I had never had that experience in a writer's room before. And then people like love Ted Lasso. And I'm like, what if this is a thing? Like when you have that chemistry in a room, maybe it translates to the screen. That's cool. That's really I don't cool. know. Yeah. So anyway, um, all right. Well, I love you guys. And love you too. Uh, this was a great episode. And Thanks, everybody, for listening. Bye. Thanks for listening to Couldn't Help a Wonder. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at chbwpod. And follow my co-host, Rose Cerno, on Insta and Twitter at Rose Cerno. And please follow my co-host, Jamie, at ReallyJamieLee on Instagram and at TheJamieLee on Twitter. And please rate, review, subscribe to our show on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app. If you're nasty, it helps us. It helps you. It helps everyone. You're nasty. Bye. Bye. Forever. This has been a Forever Dog production, executive produced by Joe Cilio, Alex Ramsey, and Brett Boehm. For more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcast.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Forever Dog Team and liking our page on Facebook. Uh.